to talk about um, why we have somebody up here painting. And actually, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit it didn't even dawn on me um, that it needs to be addressed until, like, last week. Somebody was like, okay, I've been here, coming here for two weeks, and there's this lady painting on stage. Uh, why? <laughs> so, you know, the video speaks a little bit uh, to that. Uh, for us as a church, we... Um, we value creativity and we value the arts. And you know, historically, if we were to, to rewind the clock back um, in, in other centuries, um, the Christian faith, the church, was a place that the arts flourished. And you know, if you were to go to a, a university and study classical music, um, vocal music, uh, the arts, you would find uh, spirituality. And you'd be, you know, if you were studying vocals, um, you would be singing uh, Christian hymns. Um, and it was a place where the arts really flourished, and for whatever reason, over the last hundred years, um, that has been stifled. It hasn't been so much been the case. Everybody look. We have a phone going off. <laughs> Actually, I need to make sure mine's silenced as we were talking about this. Um, so yeah, so for us, you know, part of it is just expressing uh, faith in a way that's not just all about uh, reason and, and appealing to lo- the left brains among us. But for some people, uh, like Amy, for example, um, the art is a way very much, is a very worshipful expression. And I think for some people, even the Sunday morning experience, people would get more out of it, uh, just kind of tuning me out and, and hearing a few nuggets here and there and, and watching uh, the creative process and being a part of that. So for us, um, it's an expression of worship, and it's something that we highly value. Um, and actually, one of our core values is that creativity um, is a natural result of spirituality. And so we believe that uh, all of us are creative beings in one way or another. Right? You put man in a garden, you give him enough time, he builds a city. Uh, in the creation story, we find God inviting us, a very creative God, by the way, that we're created in the image of, inviting us into the creative process very early. Um, so it's a part of who we are, and some of us create through art, some of us create through relationships, some of us start nonprofits and businesses, some of us create opportunities for ourselves, we're creative beings. So that is just a couple minutes, a little blurb on why we uh, do so much with the arts at Mosaic. Um, this morning we start, um, or we continue the conversation uh, in our series on relationships called uh, Status. Um, and we, before we start, just a reminder, um, if you have a smartphone, uh, iPhone, Android, BlackBerry, um, there is a free application that we use called Uversion. And if you go into your market um, and look up Uversion, it's one word, um, it's a really cool program. Um, and the way that it works, you download it, and uh, we've got on there, just go to Live Events, and you'll find Mosaic. And, and on there, you can follow along. Um, with all the, the passages of scripture we use throughout the morning. It's got the notes on there. Uh, videos that we show are often linked to on there. Um, there's a place to submit prayer requests. It's a really cool program. Um, so that's something we use. If you don't know how to work your smartphone, uh, just look for the youngest, hippest-looking person close to you. Right? If there's a guy by you with skinny jeans and a plaid shirt, he's the guy. Ask him. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, by the way, uh, we have a bunch of Bibles in back. If you like good old-fashioned paper on your fingers, as I do. I called paper old-fashioned. I did. Um, we've got Bibles in the back. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. It's got your name on it. Um, Kelsey, he's sporting the Bible. Just flag him down. Um, and that's for you. Last week, last week we talked about uh, God's design for marriage. Uh, what God designed marriage to be, what he wants to accomplish in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids and our spouse and our future spouse. And one of the things we talked about is that God's vision 
for our families is oftentimes much bigger uh, than our vision for our families. That God believes in us oftentimes more than we believe in ourselves and, and in our spouse. And that God desires to accomplish in and through our families um, a lot. That, God, that it's really actually not about our marriage, but our marriage exists for those around us who don't know Christ. Um, that God wants to use the way that we treat our spouse and react to our spouse, the way that we dote upon our spouse, um, the way that we treat our kids uh, to reflect uh, his character. Um, and so if you missed last week, um, just so you know, you can find it on iTunes if you search Mosaic Lincoln um, or if you go to our website, mosaiclincoln.com. Um, that is there. And one of the passages uh, that we looked at last week um, is a passage from the creation story that both Paul and Jesus uh, referred to. It's an important passage, and, and, it, and it says this. It says, The two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. The two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. So today we want to begin a conversation together as a community uh, about how do we find the one? How do we find the one? Um, I just want to take a quick poll, uh, just get a feel for the room. Um, if you are here and you are married. We just raise your hand nice and high. See how many people are married? Okay. Okay, cool. If you are here and you are single, why don't you raise your hand real high? Okay, yeah? If you are here and you're single and you would love to find the one, why don't you raise your hand real high? All right, hold them up really high. This is opportunity, folks. Scan the room. Those are potentials. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you're here and you're married, you've been married for some time, and you, you found the one, but now you'd like to trade that in for another one, why don't you raise your hand? <laughs> don't raise your hands. My wife. My wife. All right. You're not supposed to raise your hands on that one. Guys, you're going to pay for that later. Megan, we're going to talk about that. Um, I love it when someone finds the one. You know, when you, you have that friend that used to be your friend, and all of a sudden they fall off the face of the earth. You know what I'm talking about? It's like time stands still. Like all the things that no matter what age you are, no matter what you had going on in your life at that time, it's like all of a sudden nothing else matters. And it doesn't matter what age you are. Um, sometimes it's even worse when you're younger. Uh, just everything starts to take a back seat. When Megan and I met, uh, that's exactly how it was. Um, I was living in a house with seven guys. I was very much enjoying the bachelor life. Uh, did not want a girlfriend. Like it was fun. Uh, and then I met Megan, and she screwed all of it up, because um, I knew when I met her that nothing else mattered. And my roommates stopped charging me rent after a while. They weren't sure I lived there anymore, because uh, we spent every waking moment um, together, right? Because we knew we had found the one. Um, this morning, as we talk about this, I have a very special gift for you. Um, I want to read something to you this morning uh, that is incredible. I have here in my hands what is perhaps the greatest middle school love letter ever written. So sit back, let love fill the air. <laughs> Girls prepare to become flush. Guys take notes. I give you perhaps the greatest middle school love letter ever written. So the story goes, by the way, that this was left uh, at summer camp, middle school summer camp, uh, apparently, one of the girls that was there, her boyfriend was not able to be there, and he wrote her this note, sent her to camp with this. And it begins. Tara Victoria Beautiful Scott. I love you so freaking much, baby doll. 
I hope you have tons of fun on this trip you're about to go on, but promise me you won't forget about me. And remember, wherever you go, you will always have a piece of my heart. And you will always have my heart. You have grown to be a part of my family, and I feel like I have grown to be a part of yours as well. I don't care if anyone tells us that we aren't going to last, because in my mind, I have big plans for us to go all through life together. I know people say it won't happen, but I know we can do it, baby. I've never felt this way about anyone or anything in my entire life. And it is the best feeling. And I will never let you go. You know I'm always here for you, baby, no matter what. Besides, we're like a married couple, Tay. Ha ha. I've grown so close to you in these past four months. I know we have a lifetime together, so I know we have a lot to, I have a lot to make up to you because of the bumpy start we had in our relationship. But Tara, I know I can make it up to you. The beach is going to be so awesome together. <laughs> Waking up early in the morning and staying out late on the beach at night. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Except for when I asked you out for the first time. <laughs> Little did I know, Tara baby, but my life changed so much. And I know now that I met the girl that I need and want to spend the rest of my life with. I need you, baby. And I know you have me. You know you have me. And I am totally committed to you and our relationship together. I can't wait to give you this promise ring. It will be the best feeling ever. It is going to mean so much to us, and I know we will last forever. I love you so much, Tay Ray. I never knew I could fall in love at this age. And my love for you grows every second I'm with you or away from you. It doesn't matter, baby. <laughs> Tara, baby. You are the most beautiful woman I will ever meet or see. You are amazing, and I am so thankful that God blessed the broken road that led me straight to you. <laughs> that is epic. <laughs> oh, I love it when people find the one. They do and say crazy things. Uh, but it never ceases to amaze me. Uh, just how quickly the one uh, can become the one that drives you crazy. You know, something that, that starts off so good and so passionate and, and just starts so great can end uh, with so much heartache and so much brokenness. And all those things that you used to love about that person that attracted to you, those quirky little things in dating, right, become the very things that drive you nuts when you get married. Um, you know, it's like, that. you know, it's like, Oh, you know, she, he's so cute. You're not going to believe it. He is just perfect in every way. He lives in this house with seven guys. And you walk in and there's just clothes everywhere. It's so cute. It's like they can't even take care of themselves. You know? You walk into the kitchen and it's like they don't even know how to make food. They don't even know how to make food. You know? And he just like, it's like he needs me. It's like he just needs me. We're perfect for each other. You know where this is going, right? And then you get married and it's like, you are a disgusting human being. How did you never learn how to take care of yourself? How did you survive? You can't even make food. How did you not starve to death? I'm sick of picking up your clothes. You drive me nuts. Right? And those little things, the little things, um, over time, oftentimes, become big things. And uh, we talked last week just about how, in the end, uh, most marriages don't make it. Most marriages don't make it. And uh, something that starts off so great just ends 
so soon, leaving behind all types of, of woundedness and, and brokenness and broken families. And, um, and so this morning, as we begin talking about finding the one, uh, I want to submit to you a very important truth. If you have notes, uh, write this down. And it's this. It's, in order to be completely fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. In order to be completely fulfilled in life, you have to find the one. In order to be filled with, with joy and satisfaction and purpose and meaning, you have to find the one. So how do you know when you find the one? So to begin to answer this question, I want to turn uh, to a, a very important passage of Scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. Um, and in this book, uh, Jesus is going to address uh, a very important truth. Um, one of the challenges of the Christian faith, um, of course, is that um, even though God is, is all around us, even though God is, is very uh, active and in his creation and reflects himself in his creation, even though we have moments, right, in which we feel like God is, is so close, uh, we can't reach out and touch him, right? We can't, we can't see him uh, with our own eyes. Um, and so at times, especially I think in the Western world, we struggle because we are men and women of action, right? The American dream is that if you go out and get it, Right? If you go after it for long enough, you work hard enough for long enough, uh, you can make it happen for yourself. Um, so we have a hard time slowing down and quieting ourselves. And, and uh, while God reveals himself to us through scripture and through this, this internal kind of journey, for us I think it's uniquely difficult. And so I have to admit for me, like there's, there's been multiple moments along my journey, I still have these times when I just wish I could sit down with Jesus and just pull up a, a chair and have a cup of coffee and be like... Dude, like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, like, you know me pretty well, fairly well. Um, you know how I, I live my life. Uh, you know the decisions that I make. Like, what, what do you really want? Like, what's the most important thing? I have a lot of different things I could do, a lot of decisions to make. Just tell me, what do you want? What's the most important thing? Well, in this particular passage of Scripture, this is exactly what Jesus is going to speak to for us. Um, in this particular passage, uh, a Pharisee, um, religious leader of uh, a religious leader comes to Jesus and he's basically trying to trap him uh, which happened a lot religious people did not like uh, Jesus very much at all um, he exposed kind of their love for institution and for religion uh, for what it was and made God's love and grace acceptable to or accessible to everybody that it was available to everyone they didn't like this right threaten their job security um, and so they don't like it. So this Pharisee comes in, he's trying to trap Jesus. And so in, in doing so, he, he asks him a very provocative question. And this is what he asks. This is uh, Matthew 22, verse 37. He asks Jesus, so Jesus, of all the commandments, what is the most important? Of all the commandments, what's, what's the most important? What's the most important thing? And Jesus said this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. And, he, and Jesus actually goes on to say that, that all of the law and all of the prophets, all of the scriptures, can, they hang on these two commandments. That if we were to read the entire Bible, right, and we're, and we're studying the Bible, all of it points here. All of it points to this very truth. It all can be summarized in this command, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. 
And so for what it means for us as a church, like this, that's essentially right, what we do as a community, as Mosaic. When we gather on Sunday morning and we get together and, and we worship and we, we pursue God, we're celebrating what Christ did on the cross. And together we're, we're, we're fleshing this out. Like what does it look like to, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, to put him first, to make him number one. Jesus is saying like this, this is it. This is the most important thing. This is what God desires of us. And what he's saying is that when we do this one thing well, reveals this important truth. When we do this one thing well, all of the details of our lives, all the other stuff, starts to fall into place. That when we do a good job of loving God with all that we are and make him first and foremost, the details start to work themselves out. See, just once, it would be awesome to be sitting in a room and to have this this very godly guy fall in love with this godly girl and, and have him run into the room, you know, and just say, you are not going to believe this. this. This girl is incredible. She is perfect. She is beautiful. It, we laugh together all the time. We are best friends. It's like God created this woman for me. Guys, you're not going to believe this. I think she might be. I think she might be the two. I think she might be the two. You weren't supposed to laugh at that part. <laughs> I think she might be the two because she, was never, she cannot be the one. She wasn't created to be the one. Right? God is meant to be the one. And when we make him first and foremost, the two works itself out. See, if we want a relationship that has God's blessing all over it, if we want a marriage or our future marriage to be all that God intended it to be, if we want it to not to be yet another statistic of another marriage that didn't make it, if we want our marriage to not just survive, but to thrive, then God has got to be the one. And he or she has got to be the two. If you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, if you have a permanent marker, write this on your face, uh, because it is incredibly important. Pursuing marriage more than God is idolatry. Pursuing marriage more than God is idolatry. If you, if you, haven't, if you haven't been in religious circles, you didn't grow up with the lingo, the verbiage, um, idolatry is basically taking something um, other than God and, and worshiping it in addition to God, above God. Taking something other than God and allowing it, whether it be our family, whether it be our marriage, whether it be our relationship with our kids, whether it be our career, whether it be our pursuit of material things, whether it be our pursuit of pleasure, and allowing that to be the first and foremost thing that informs our decisions, that informs our dreams, that informs the way that we spend our time and, and spend our money, that spend our, invest our creativity, and invest our relationships in. Exodus 34:14 says this. It says, Do not worship any other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit uh, that jealousy is something that I'm pretty acquainted with. Uh, my wife can attest to you that um, when we were younger, uh, I had big issues with being jealous. I was very possessive. Uh, so it would be August, and we'd be going to Pioneers Park, and I'd be like, hey, babe, you look great. Don't get me wrong, you look great. But are you sure you don't want to wear some snow pants? Right? Maybe a turtleneck, scarf, complete the ensemble. Um, I would actually, we'd be walking together and literally, literally, I was, I was so jealous that when we would walk by and pass other guys, I would like lock in, you know, with them and give them like the stare of, of death. 
And guys would actually give me, like, the double take, because they'd be like, man, that guy looks like he wants to hurt me, you know? And it's because I did, right? You just checked out my girl. Um, and so this one time, we were at, uh, we were playing miniature golf. <laughs> and uh, we, we were at the place out on 56 and Highway 2, and we're playing miniature golf, and there was this massive human being uh, guy that was there. And, uh, and he was checking my girl out, like I've never seen before, right? He is... Megan's walking by, and he is looking her up and down, right? Undressing her with his eyes, enjoying the view, God's beautiful creation. Uh, And I'm watching this whole thing happen, and something in me just snapped. I don't know if it was the fact that I was wielding a putter, um, (laughs) but I snapped. And uh, I love it when Megan tells a story, because she she says she turns around, and she sees me in this guy's face, you know, with this putter over my head, saying, what, what, you like what you see, you like what you see, why don't you take a picture, huh, huh, you know, and I'm in this guy's face, and I don't know what it is like about a fit of rage, but you miss small details, like if I hit this guy in the face with a golf club, I'm going to go to jail, you know, or the fact that even if I do, he's twice my size, so I'm probably going to make a long stop at the hospital on my way to jail, Um, I lost it, completely flipped out, and it's funny because I'm not that way anymore. Um, I don't know if it's like being married and having kids and that kind of thing, but you know, now it's like, yeah, see that? It's mine. It's my girl. Lives in my house, sleeps in my bed. Had my babies. Yeah, it's mine. Um, it changes. But I'm well acquainted with jealousy. It's a very intense, very intense emotion. And the scriptures tell us that God is, is a jealous God. Tells us that he is a jealous God, that he longs to be our one and our only. And that when we take our, our marriages and, and our families, or anything else for that matter, and we place it in front of God, that God becomes jealous, that he burns with jealousy. You see, when we, uh, the sad part about it is, is, is when we take our families and our, our spouse or our pursuit of our future spouse, and we put them in a position uh, where they were never meant to be, and we make them the most important thing, the sad reality is what ends up happening is we take them out of position uh, where they can and we can experience God's blessing. We take them out of a place that they were created to be, um, and then we have the audacity oftentimes to ask God to bless it. And I see this, I see this in couples all the time, and, and it just, it, honestly, it makes me really sad. Um, I see this all the time where couples will, um, it's one thing when you don't know, you know what God calls you to, right? If you didn't grow up in church and you haven't read the Bible, like, there's not an expectation there that you would know what you ought to do and what not to do, what God calls us to. But I see this in couples all the time who know better, um, who have grown up in church, who know what the Bible calls us to, and, and they end up putting this relationship with this other person as the most important thing, right? They, they move in together, they start having sex uh, outside of the covenant of marriage, um, they're doing these things, and then they're praying for God uh, to bless it, right? Or they're asking God, God, just give me direction, you know, on whether or not this person is the one. And it's like, no, they're never meant to be the one. They were never meant to be the one. They're the two. They're meant to be the two. Um, it happens all the time. And, and, and sadly, in Christian circles, we even spiritualize it, right? We say, family first. Family first. Family first. Um, and it sounds like a noble thing to say. Right? especially in Lincoln, such a family-centric city. Uh, but for those of us who follow Christ, that's nowhere in the Bible. Family is not first. Jesus is meant to be the one. Our spouse is meant to be the two. 
You see, you want to you surefire a way to jack your family up? Just give you a piece of advice. If that's your goal, you really want to jack your family up, uh, keep putting them first. Make them the most important thing in your life. Make providing for them tangibly more important than investing in them spiritually. Right? Keep providing for them in all the ways that they want without investing in them spiritually in all the ways that they need. Right? You want to jack up your family. I've seen this a few times. Bring them to church. Bring them to be with your church, where week after week we talk about how good God is, right? And how Christ calls us to this very sacrificial, radical, selfless love. And then model through your life what it looks like to only serve yourself. Right? Come to church every week and sing about God's amazing grace. And then model for your kids what it looks like to never forgive somebody who wrongs you. Right? Or to look down at people who don't believe as you do. It'll jack them up. It'll mess them up. God calls us to more. And, and it, here's the thing. There's purpose there. There's purpose there. I want to look back at our passage of Exodus 34, 14. And this time I want to read it in the, the New Living Translation. And I hope you catch this. It says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord, whose very name is Jealous, is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. About his relationship with you. See, it's what God is passionate about. When it comes down to it, he's passionate about you. What excites the heart of God is you, right? It was his love for you that motivated the sending of his son to die and bleed out on a cross so that you could have a chance at life, both now and in eternity. He was willing to humble himself, enter the world as a vulnerable human being so that you could come to experience and begin to grasp as Ephesians 3 puts it, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses all knowledge. God is passionate about you. And he continues to pursue you with this love. God wants to be number one. See, next week we're going to begin to explore as a community what it's like to pursue number two. Uh, but before we can do that, the conversation has to start here. Because the reality is, until God is number one, um, until he is number one, your relationship with number two will never be what it could be. Until God is number one, your relationship with number two will never be what it could be. You see, I think one of the reasons that God is a jealous God, one of the reasons that his heart breaks when he watches the way that we continually live as we put him on the back burner, is that when he looks at our life, he doesn't just see it how it is, but he sees it how it could be. Right? I think he looks down at our life and he sees all of the gifts he has given us and all the things that he desires to do, as we talked about last week, in and through our marriages. And he sees it how it is. But he also looks at us and he sees what he could be. And he just, I wonder sometimes he just doesn't shake his head and think, what a waste. What a waste. Right? These people just continue to, to choose these other things and, and they continue to let their past experiences determine their future. They continually beat themselves up over this stuff, right? They continually allow themselves to be ruled by pride, right? Rather than humbly submitting and allowing me to begin the healing process with all of the gifts and abilities and talents and passions that I've given these people. They have no idea what they're missing. They have no idea my plans for them. They have no idea what they're settling for. And so this morning... My question uh, for you, 
for us as a church is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. And it's this. It's, it's what number is Christ in your life? What number is Christ in your life? And I want you to really be honest. Right? When you look at your life, is Christ on the throne? Is he number one? Or is he somewhere else? Right? Is he even on the radar? As you look at your priorities, like where is God in that? Is he number one? Is he first? When you come to God in your marriage, right, does that determine the way that you spend your time and invest your money and the things you're dreaming about, the way that you, you serve? Or is it yourself? Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? You know, if you've been a follower of Christ, I, I'd encourage you to, to get honest. Quit lying to yourself, right? Look at your checkbook. Look at uh, the way you spend your time. Stop glossing over generalities. Look at your heart. What do you find yourself caring most about? What do you find yourself dreaming about? What keeps you up at night? Are those things that are being fueled by God? Is he, does he have the space in the room to lead and guide your family? Right? Is, is, is he able to, to work out his dreams for your life? Right? Or are you resisting? Is something else uh, number one? You know, for me, so many times, I'll be honest, for me, like, this is a, this is a continual fight. This is a continual struggle. And even as a pastor, um, it's weird. The temptations are probably a little bit different, but they're there. You know, for me, uh, so often, um, I'll get off on something, and, and it might be, sometimes it's my marriage. Sometimes I, I dictate my relationship with Megan and my love for her uh, to come first. And it affects the spiritual climate of our home. It affects my relationship with her and affects my relationship with my kids. Uh, sometimes for me, as a pastor, it's, it's going to sound weird to say, but the number one sometimes is being successful, right? It's having a successful church, right? It's, it's how many people are resonating with what's going on. It, maybe it's, it's influence uh, probably for me sometimes. Um, it's convicting, right? It's, it's, this, it's an ongoing journey. It's a struggle for every one of us, um, even the, the, though the details might be a little different. So this morning, as you just reflect, you know, perhaps this morning you're here, you've submitted your life to Christ before, um, and I'd encourage you as we, as we pray that, to just ask yourself, is, is he the one? Look, would you find yourself in a place where this morning, it's, it's like as you reflect in your life, you just know, you know what? He's not. This is. My relationship with this person. Uh, my own goals and aspirations. My own dreams for myself. Uh, if God wanted to do something in my life and lead me a different direction, I don't know that he could. And if that's you this morning, then I encourage you to just come before God and take a fresh start and ask God in prayer, God, I want you to be number one. Help me to change this. Help me to put you back on the throne of my life. If you're here this morning, and for you, this is, a, this is kind of a new conversation. right? You've, you, you know kind of roughly about Jesus, but maybe you don't know everything that, that, that the Bible has to, to say or call you to, uh, if you find yourself here this morning and you've never committed your life to Christ, then I would encourage you to deal with that, to, to ask yourself if God isn't moving in you and moving you into that place. But I will warn you, I will warn you, and we've talked about this before and we'll say it again, um, it is a big call. It is extraordinarily difficult. It will not make your life simpler. It will make your life probably a bit harder. Um, it is a very radical, difficult call. And if you're not ready for it, don't do it. Don't do it. It will jack your life up. <laughs> God will mess you up. He will take you to places you thought you'd never go. He will call you to do things you never thought you'd do. But there's nothing else like it. So think long and hard about that. 
So this morning, as we come back together and as we uh, pray, um, why don't you just join me in prayer? And uh, we'll give this morning to God. Father God, I pray over the people in this room. And I pray on behalf of myself and Mosaic. Father God, I know that for me, so often, I put other things in front of you. There are times when I put my spouse in front of you. There are times when I put my kids in front of you. There are times when I put my own agenda, my own goals, my own dreams in front of you. But God, I come before you this morning. And I lay all that down at your feet. We as a church lay that down at your feet, God. And we ask that you would, you would take all of us. God, we want you to be number one in our life. We want to pursue you first and foremost. We want you to be number one so that the details and the relationship with number two can be everything that you dream for it to be. Father God, I pray over the marriages reflected in this room that are represented. God, I ask for your blessing on them. And God, I ask that this would be a conversation that continues to resonate. That God, if we are resisting you, um, if there are things in our lives that we have continually put before you, God, then I ask that you would call us out on that. That you would continue to speak to us about what it means to place you first and foremost. For you to be number one in our lives. And Father God, I pray for those in this room or tuning into the podcast uh, that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior. And God, I ask that you would allow the truth about who you are and what you've done and what you are continuing to do in the course of human history to, to resonate as being true in their heart and soul, that you would affirm it, that it is true, that you are who the scriptures say you are, that you have done what the scriptures say you have done and that you are doing what they say you are doing. God, for those of us who are, who are listening that, that don't you, know you, God, I ask that you would just connect with them in a personal way. That this would be a community where they can belong far before they believe. That this would be a place where they find meaningful connection and people who care about them. But first and foremost, most importantly, God, where you meet your people in a powerful and transformational way. God, we thank you for what you are continuing to do, what you've begun in this church and in our lives. And God, this morning we come before you and we worship you alone because you are good and you are God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.